0: Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word, and uh, we pray that you bless this, and you you bless this class, and that we all grow. Uh, You're you're such a a great and giving God. We we pray that you give us wisdom and uh, and humility as we consider your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, All right, last week we did not have this on, so I was was told later, and so I I promptly blamed it on you. Okay. So, just no responsibility here whatsoever. Um, <laughs> anyhow, we're, we're, we're. I think I, it's the red lights recording, so I think we're good. So if Nate's listening to this later, I'm not touching anything. Um, it's true. So there, there's, there's a note, there, there is a standing order in my home is if, if my wife sees me with tools in my hand, to call 911 immediately. <laughs> so that's where we're going my story i'm sticking to it um all right ecclesiastes 7 and we're talking about the depths of god's wisdom and and the uh incomprehensibility of god uh i forget who said it i remember hearing that god is god is not more profound and deeper than we think god is more profound deeper than we can think he's greater than we even can think the categories that we're we're aware of as creatures, as his creatures, are incapable of us putting him into a box. Now, I come from a, uh, a self-defense background, and, and Bruce Lee, the famous Bruce Lee, was, was famous for saying, you put water into a cup, it becomes a cup. You put water into a teapot, it becomes a teapot. And he was talking about adaptability. And the f- funny thing is, if you're reformed, you go, no, the water is still water, and the cup is still a cup. That's, I understand what you're saying poetically, but that's nonsensical. Okay, so here we have something of the, just, nice, you know, laughing, and laughing. We should be because that's the world's wisdom. And, and I don't know how many times have people come in and just be awestruck and swept up in this. Oh, this is so wise. That's the wisdom of the world. Now, here we have the word of the Lord. Where we, where we pick up um, where he says in verse 10, we're going to pick up verse 10. We're going to read through. And and he says some things that are very deep. And we're going to need to interpret them within the context. with the context of Ecclesiastes is that that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. And to bring all things that we're doing and reason backwards from what we absolutely know. Okay, What happens with put water into a cup, it becomes a cup, is that people drop context and they, they start thinking and reasoning from the unknown to the known. Ecclesiastes, in the Bible's con- consistent refrain, is that reason from what you know, Hebrews 9, 27, you're all going to die, and after that judgment, you all know that, reason backwards, okay? And then the other thing is the context of this chapter is the depth of wisdom. Oh, how unsearchable are his ways, and inscrutable his judgments. Um, this is the context we're dealing with, so if we don't keep the context in, in place, we're going to run into a, a problem, so you'll see as we go. First sense they say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Um, <clears throat> especially as we get older and we hear things that like Bobby opened with, it's easy to uh, go, man, I, I long for the good old days. But we had the good days coming in Christ. We should not be depressed. Right? We, we, can, we, can, we can be sorrowful, but we shouldn't be meditating upon our sorrow. Some people have asked me, uh, the martial arts school if I teach meditation and so I tell them um, the Bible never tells you to empty your mind that's the a, a Eastern refrain focus your mind on the word of the Lord if you already know how to worry you know how to, you know how to meditate you're just meditating on the wrong things meditate on the word of the Lord and the promises of the Lord why were the better times why were former times better than the east well marginal but you're on your way to the kingdom of heaven you're on your way as far as east is from west so far as your heavenly father puts your sins from you We don't we don't get depressed and say depressed. We can be sorrowful, but uh, that's why he says that it's it's uh, say not. Why were they? Because it's not from wisdom that you ask this. It's not from the fear of the Lord. You're losing the context. Uh, Verse eleven: Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money, and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Um. Clearly, we know just looking at the world. That's obvious. You Watch people with a with a lot of money who have no wisdom, and and watch the shipwreck they can make of their lives. The interesting thing about that is that, and we again we see this in real time playing out in the, in, the, in our culture. Enough wealth allows us to indulge some of our our sins, whereas sometimes poverty just keeps you restrained, right? So. It'll be an interesting thing in judgment when, when we get to walk with the Lord and, and consider our lives. And it's been, a, again, another refrain here. The context of Ecclesiastes is that you're going to be brought into judgment. And the judgment for Christians is an evaluation. Now, if we live in that, imagine what it's going to be like. All of your questions. Lord, why did this happen? How did, how did this person seem to get away with X, Y, or Z? about this sorrow or that decision or that, that unanswered prayer. Once again, every prayer is answered, but most of the time for immature Christians, it's no, because I love you. The same thing as parents know with their children. No, that's not good for you. Imagine what it'll be like to be with him and have him explain it. No, I told you no because this would have hurt you. Um, oftentimes we pray, as James says, because we're, we're praying with the wrong principle. We're thinking our problem is financial or material or it is our great need is Christ. Our great need is not stuff. So, sometimes if you get the, the wealth and the ability to indulge your sins, it destroys you. Look at Solomon's life in particular. He prays for wisdom, and then he gets a little bit corrupted because of the women problem. Look at King David. I remember Pastor Phillips in, in, uh, in uh, Second Samuel, he brought up a point that <clears throat> Critics of Christianity will point to the, uh, the polygamy issue that David had and say the Bible doesn't specifically and explicitly condemn the polygamy. And Pastor Phillips says it does. In Deuteronomy Eli, that, that's not in, 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 in Timothy being husband of one wife. But look at the pattern of David's life. There was a pattern of, of developing polygamy and getting married for political purposes. How did that work out in his family? When we don't follow the word of the Lord, we end up with... A lot of, a lot of misery and a lot of conflict. So, <clears throat> oftentimes the protection, he I mean, says, the protection of wisdom. Get it? Sorry. No, I, yeah. just, I just had a comment in a second. Yeah, I mean, it's wisdom is more important than money. Wisdom's more important than than any Psalm nineteen. Sweeter also than honey, drippings of a honeycomb. No matter what physical pleasure you can get, no matter how much wealth you can get, wisdom's better. So, yeah. can, hey, just a quote. Sure. Um, is that? In heaven, all of our questions will become exclamation points. Hmm. Yeah. So, so wisdom, with, uh, with whatever we have, if we don't know how to manage these things and these blessings that we have, and each one of us has blessings. Each one of us has some gifts, physical gifts, uh, and, uh, and uh, certainly possessions and opportunities without the inheritance of wisdom that we get from the word of the Lord. We're not going to be able to them. Verse 13, consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? Isn't that what's going on with, with the world? It's trying to make straight what God made crooked. There are people say, what gender were you assigned at birth? I love the language. Assigned? Who assigned it? Right? But who assigned it? They're in a battle against reality. <clears throat> sin, oh, sin is unnatural. It puts us in a battle with reality. do stop. Um, Verse 14, In the day of prosperity, be joyful, and in the day of adversity, consider, God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. Again, wisdom. If you were looking at wisdom, you go, I'm going to cover all of this. I'm going to get all of it. Here is the, you're not, you're not. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider, God has made the one as well as the other. God is the one who makes all things. God is the one who determines times and seasons. Go back to Ecclesiastes 3. Nothing's happening outside of his, His will. In my vain life, love it, my vain life. No arrogance here. He goes right back to that, my vain life. Um, He missed the self-esteem movement. We should have seen God, fear the Lord. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. Alright, this is an observation he's making. This is an observation. Directly empirical. I'm watching this. Um, that's interesting. to Just drop that in there, right? What he's saying is that this is vast. Remember, who can, who can make straight what God made crooked? The, the fall brings in God's wrath. We are under God's grace because immediately when we sin, we deserve the complete judgment of God. We don't get it. That's grace. And then it has ramifications sin does that are so perplexing sometimes. Who can think of it? Think of Joseph sitting there, sold into slavery. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm probably never going to see my homeland again. I'm never going to see my family again. And working as a slave my whole life. That's a bummer. It's a bummer. And he's like, all right, I'm going to do a good job. He becomes so good at what he's doing, he gets blessed. And then he has this issue with the wife, Potiphar's wife, and then he ends up in jail. Alright, see that running in the background? How did that work out? Moses sees a slaveholder, an Egyptian, abusing one of his countrymen, one of the Jews. And Moses kills the Egyptian, buries him in the sand. And then he ends up 40 years, he comes back relying on the Lord. Look at Joseph in jail... He's interested in God's honor. He interprets dreams in God's honor. If ever, when you look at the Potiphar's wife episode too, if ever somebody had a reason there to go, I'm going to self-indulge in some sin because I'm getting kind of shafted in this whole righteousness thing. Look at me, I've been really righteous. And I'm in slavery. And then I was in slavery, I was doing that well, and then I end up in jail, falsely accused. Everyone here, anyone been falsely accused? And know how how badly that hurts? Think of Joseph. And then, of course, think of Christ. And you think of the context of what he's doing here. And then he says, be not overly righteous and do not make yourself too wise. Now, there's a line coming up at the end of this chapter that bothers modern feminists. And like I like to refer to as cowardly theologians, I'll double back to that. That's, I know it's a big statement, but I, I think they deserve the moniker. But they don't get bothered by this. Be not overly righteous and do not make yourself, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and do not make yourself too wise. Why would you destroy yourself? Well, this one, they understand the context. But when it comes to modern politics, you can see where their God is. they fear God or they fear man? And the, the line I'm, I'm referring to at the end of the chapter is, uh, Tohela says, one man among a thousand I have found, but a woman among all these I have not found. And there's a lot of people who accuse him of being misogynistic here. Some of the commentators say, clearly he has some problems with women. He's just slandered the word of the Lord. So I'm going to be careful. Be not overly righteous. Obviously, don't be legalistic. Don't be pharisaical. All right? That's the context of, of, this, of this passage. Be not overly wise. And of course, now he's saying, go ahead and sin a little bit, but just don't sin too bad. Is that what he's saying? He can't be saying that. That's preposterous. Again, we reason from the known to the unknown. Our hermeneutic has to be, put this verse on the rest of Scripture. Um... He's saying clearly that all of us have a sin nature. <clears throat> He's telling us, this is what you're seeing. This is a real world. This is not pie in the sky. Real world. Those of us who were called early in life and, and, and didn't indulge in walking in the flesh for too long into our lives before we were graciously saved, and those of us who, on the other hand, were raised in a covenant household, all of us still have a sin nature. All of us still probably struggle with certain types of sins that pop up. That is not evidence that you're not saved. The fact that you're struggling with it shows you are saved. Because if you weren't saved, why would you be struggling with sin? That doesn't make any sense. Okay? Um, what he's saying is that don't be shocked by these things. Don't run for legalistic, a legalistic fort, if you will. Don't run for, I'm going I'm to get rid of this behavior and then I'll be righteous. No, you run for the grace of Jesus Christ and faith. Clothe yourself in the faith, right? The, the righteous robes of Christ, not your own works. And then, um, of course, contain the sin. Don't don't make provision for the flesh. If you've got a recurring sin, don't go, hey, well, that's where I am. Don't do that. You can continue to battle it in grace. Yes, yes ma'am. I just wanted to make a, just a quick comment that I heard before, and maybe this is where he was going at with that, mm-hmm. that Maybe he is thinking who the first sin was because the woman was deceived and maybe he's going in that direction because the beauty of in the garden, the first person that was deceived was a woman. Fast forward in the garden, who did Christ come to? After he rose again. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. You're talking about the last, that last verse, right? Yeah. Um, great input. Um, so we have <clears throat> Be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? <clears throat> it is good that you should take hold of this, and from that not withhold your hand. For the one who fears God shall come out, of, come out from both of them. Again, the fear of the Lord is still the base, the foundation. Through not in the fear of the Lord, we can't adjudicate, we can't judge these things. Uh, Paul says in Corinthians, an interesting thing that comes up, he says, Well, you guys have squabbles. Is there not anyone in the church wise enough to be able to adjudicate these things? I say this to your shame. You guys are dragging each other to the courts. It's better to be defrauded. Christians, we're expected to be wise. There's a whole book about it. Proverbs, <laughs> we're expected to be wise. We cannot be sanctified without wisdom. Wisdom is what sanctifies us. We're renewed in our minds. And so, to so me saying, the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. The swings, I don't know if, if you have, uh, the experiences of, if, especially as I've grown in Christ, I have discovered certain things that I, I thought were okay 20 years ago. I look back now and I go, eh, this, this, and I wouldn't approve of that now, you know? You think of the way grace works in your life, allow that to work in each other's lives too. And, and if you're having problems with the legalistic stuff and, and if you constantly catch yourself thinking, I can't, that person can't be saved. There's no way they're a Christian. Go back and reread Romans 14 and keep reading it and keep reading it. Okay? The Lord can make them sand. You're too focused on other uh, outward things. Um, if you're still indulging in sins that keep coming up and tripping you up, um, then again, we go back through Romans eight and continue to rest in the, the, the mind that's set on the spirit. So wisdom gives strength to the wise. Wise man, more than ten rulers are in a city, and uh, that's verse nineteen. Um, every time Bobby's going through the stuff early, that's what I'm thinking of. Wisdom gives strength to the wise. I'm thinking we've in a very unwise group of people, um, very unwise group of people, and and there are so many examples that we could use to illustrate how unwise our, our leaders are today. And, uh, and sometimes I shudder and think, these people are in charge. <laughs> right? um, the, the, the venerable Dr. Fossey did some testimony earlier this week, the personification of science himself, and I'm sorry to be a little, a little sarcastic with this, but I think it fits. And he said, he said that he doesn't know where the six-foot rule came from. Remember the six foot rule? Remember being at the grocery store and you had to say they had the feet down and the six feet? He said, that wasn't scientific. We don't know where it came from. This is man's highest and best wisdom. And he doesn't doesn't have any shame for it. You would think that the man who walked out and said, I am science. Anyone who criticizes me criticizes science. And then the major proclamation that they issued for how to conduct ourselves and keep ourselves safe, he goes, that came off the top of our heads. One writer says actually it came out of a high schooler's science report project back in 2005 yeah so some of you are chuckling so you know where that's coming from um fascinating so again the challenge is always wisdom or folly surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does not or who does good and never sins this is uh paul echoes that in romans 3 verse 10 uh that's again the context surely there's no one without sin think of abraham going out i'm sorry wait a minute Far be it for me to question the Almighty when he's going to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But what if there's 50 good people? Remember, he gets them down to 10. He's very humble. He's having a lot of trouble understanding this. Wait a minute. What's going to happen? I can't understand this. This is too big for me. You're going to go destroy the whole place? Yeah. And he uses a language. We're going to go down and see. He already knows. He's using a language that's coming down so we understand it. Or he's not just bigger than we think, he's bigger than we can think. There's nobody that does good. It's all grace. It's all grace. So do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you have yourself cursed others. We're going to give an account for every idle word. So let's not keep an account of everyone else's idle words. It's the context. Yeah, keep it in judgment. Right, what standard you use will be judged, measured back to you. So... That's pretty easy to go. I need to lighten up. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, personal side. I remember when I was 20 years old, talking to somebody who's a fledgling Christian, and I told them some things about Revelation that I didn't like. It was very bad advice. Very bad advice. I'll admit that in the church. Very, very bad advice. I was in a bad spot in my life. And uh, that, was not a, that was not one of my finer moments. <clears throat> So I led somebody astray, and I, I damaged the word of the Lord and their confidence in that. Um, the fact that I'm here at all is amazing to me. And and I'm sometimes even just in recollection of this, I kind of shudder. There's a holy God that was listening to that conversation. And He knew in His sovereignty what He was going to do with me in my life. He should have cut me down right then and there, after all of the grace I'd already been given. So... That's the context of that. If you want to to get really bent out of shape about something somebody said about you, think about the things you've done and you've said that the Lord should have judged you immediately for. Remember, it's all grace. Keep the eye on the prize. Keep the eye on the prize. All of this I have tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise. And here we go. Here's the context of what wraps this up. Verse chapter 7. But it was far from me. That which has been is far off and deep, very deep who can find it out. Have you noticed, by the way, when you look at the culture, the absolute, or the absolutism, of people who believe in no absolutes? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Isn't that funny? They're absolutely sure of something, and they have, if there's going to be one absolute, at all, that must mean, that there is an absolute, metaphysically. In other words, if there is no God, there can be no sub-authorities. There can be no sub absolutes. There can be no truth. Think about that for a second. Unless God is, and He's both, as Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, unless He is the truth, He's the personification of truth, categorically, there can be no sub truth. It's not possible. It's like asking, What does yellow smell like? That's a categorical fallacy. It makes no sense. It's gibberish. That's like asking a fish what it's like to be wet. It's just not going to occur to them. It would never occur to us that there is an authority and truth unless God. The proof of Christianity is that you can literally not make sense of life without the word of the Lord. All right. So um, very deep. So who can find it out? We can. So here he is with all this wisdom and then he stops and goes, I can't figure this out. Just throw up your hands. Forget it. Why? No, that's not what he's saying. So I turn my heart to know, and to search out, and to seek, and I love that, and the scheme of things, and to know the wickedness of folly, and the word they're using is blindness, utter moral blindness, and the foolishness that is madness. Sin is folly. Sin, sin is, is completely ridiculous. It is not, repeat, not ever going to get good results. <laughs> And, so, here we go, and I find something more bitter than death, the woman whose heart is snares and nets, and whose hands are fetters, he who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. Um, Behold, this is chapter chapter 7, verse 27, behold, this is what I found, says the preacher, while adding one thing to another to find a scheme of things, which my soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found. One man among a thousand I have found, but a woman among all these I have not found. Um, See, this alone I found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Now, this is the issue. Watch the context. When people get into, for example, watch the pattern of, of sinful minds? People get mad about, in Reformed faith and Calvinism, about the doctrine of predestination. And they get mad. And so I've learned over the years that this is a very easy way to talk to people, come up to me, and they want to get into this debate with Calvinism's evil. So I ask them, how do they like the Incarnation? God is both fully man, fully God. And I get the look. Well, he's fully God, fully man. What does that mean? It's deep. Very deep. Very deep. The Trinity is deep. Very deep. Just because... Now, I understand it logically. I can give you a logical explanation for it. In the meantime, my mind is, is, you know, smoke's coming out of my ears. You know? Like, but that doesn't bother us. Predestination does. (laughs) You want to choose any piece of scripture and you can pull it out and go, this is deep, very deep. Who can fathom this? Who can make sense of this? Any passage of scripture in any part is deep, very deep. Who can fathom it? Joab and Abner. Let's go. I'm going to flip this. I mentioned 2 Samuel. This is the top of my head. So no notes on this. I apologize. I'm going, going rogue. Um, so David becomes king. Here he goes. He's down. And then what, is, what, is, what does Abner do? Abner's like, I know he's the Lord's anointed. But I'm going to go install a puppet king from the house of Saul. And then it's not working out for him. So he goes, all right, forget it, forget it. I go back to David. But in the meantime, they had a battle battle right and abner kills joab's brother so but he killed him in war so that's not technically murder so david's trying to shore up everything politically and he he, he has an alliance now with abner joab comes in and he goes what's the deal with abner you're talking to abner and you're reading this and you're going so joab thinks david works for him that's interesting yeah so it's a problem right david didn't deal with that and he has this pattern of not dealing with things and procrastinating and kicking the can down the road and making a political decision instead of one on righteousness. And what happens? when so Joab kills Abner. And then David puts a curse on, on Joab's house, but he doesn't do anything to Joab because I guess politically it's not expedient. This is deep, very deep. <laughs> How did this work out? So what did David do when he's dying? Kill Joab. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is deep stuff. Go back to Joseph. Joseph forgives his brothers, but what does he do? He tests them to make sure these are not the same murderous henchmen that they used to be, that they've really repented. So I'm supposed to forgive people if they repent. His brothers didn't really repent in some cases. They sort of changed, but it, it, this is deep, very deep. So doesn't mean you So Yeah, you see where we're going with this. This is deep stuff. What were the disciples doing with Peter after they knew Peter rejected Jesus three times? That's an interesting conversation. They're hanging out with him. They're fishing with him. I know what I'd have been thinking. Coward. (laughs) Even though I've probably been running and hiding myself, I would have been smart enough. This is me Some, but hang with me here. To not be challenged directly. Peter was hanging around where he got challenged. I would have been smarter than Peter. I'd have been like, this is what I tell myself. I would have been like hanging out so no one could question this. So I wouldn't be put in that position. And then I would have been judging him for being in that position. (laughs) See what I mean? There's none righteous. Because I'm smarter than Peter. That's what I... James and John. Who gets to sit at your right hand? Who's the most important in the kingdom? These people are knuckleheads. See yourself there? (laughs) The whole point is deep, very deep. What he's saying, the context of of this is, I found something more bitter than death. The woman whose heart snares and nests. Now... Before we accuse him of misogyny, let's turn to Proverbs 9. Okay, Proverbs 9, what's he talking about? Um, Proverbs 9, verse 13, and I'm going to pick it up right there in verse 13. The woman's folly is loud. She's seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town. Call to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn and hear. And to him who lacks sense, she says, soul and water are sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Um, at the beginning of the chapter, Coming right off the heels of, of one of the great lines of scripture, towering line, Proverbs 836 is He who hates me loves death. Then verse 9 picks up wisdom has built her house. Personification of wisdom is a woman. The woman folly, the way woman, the wisdom of woman. So do you think in the middle of Ecclesiastes 7, all of a sudden he says all this deep, very deep. Okay, yeah, don't have an affair. Don't have an affair with it. He could be saying that, and that's pretty obvious. But it's about humanism. The way of folly, that woman, right there, the the woman folly is loud. She's seductive, and she knows nothing. This is humanistic philosophy. This is not about a particular woman. Clearly, that would be included in it and wrapped up with it. Thank you. Um, But what's going on here is the context of this is wisdom literature, the woman folly. She knows nothing. Her way leads to Sheol. You're going straight on the way and there she is telling you, hey, everything came from nothing. There's Darwinism. There are no absolutes to know God. You have to find your own truth. Folly knows nothing. You have to find your own truth. See how, how, see how foolish this statement is? There is no absolute truth, but you have to find your own truth. That's, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So She's loud. She's brash. She's seductive she's humanism and whatever whatever new coat humanism humanism puts on goes back to what how she just said did God really say woman folly isn't whatever generation you get hit with the woman folly is going God didn't really say you can't trust that because one of my favorite apologetics moments of all time um, I still chuckle about it because a lot of times when I'm debating somebody in person the people on the peripheral are the ones listening and uh, this this guy was was criticizing me because I, I was quoting the Bible the whole time. And he said, well, I don't, I don't need to know what I think through a book. To which my reply was, well, where did you read that? <laughs> it's coming down to an authority. Right? And even still, he had that moment of like, uh-oh, there's always an authority. Woman folly, woman wisdom. All right? He who you hate wisdom, you love death. Because only in Christ is there true wisdom. So... Then he goes, he hasn't found, he's found one man in, 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 in a thousand. Now, a thousand is a big number. That's a big number they have. They don't have a gazillion, trillion like our federal government does. You know, With 34 trillion in debt, have, that number would have meant nothing. Uh, there's an old joke of, of uh, President Obama was in office and somebody came in and there was uh, you know uh, a, a military action in Iraq and somebody came in, one of his advisors said, Mr. President, I'm so sorry, but um, two Brazilian soldiers died in, in battle today. They went, oh. And he was so overwrought, His aide couldn't believe how overwrought he looked. He says, sir, are you okay, Mr. President? I'm really sorry. He goes, oh, wait a minute, how many, how many is Brazilian? There's a, there's a billion, there's a trillion, there's a, uh, you know. So our numbers, we think of these numbers as just throwing them around. But a thousand was a massive number. That's the biggest number they had. The Lord has a sheep on a thousand hills. Does that mean the thousand, one hill, the first hill, he doesn't have any? It's, it's, it's wisdom literature. He's got one. Joseph? Is he thinking of Joseph? Is he thinking of David? Is he thinking of Abraham? Of, not, of a woman I have not found. Is that misogynistic? No. He's saying empirically, I haven't found very many people at all in, in all of history that I've looked at that really understand the word of the Lord. Has that been our experience? I think so. So the seductive woman is seduct- seduction of philosophy. That's the point here. Um, And so, after true wisdom, any man who yields to false wisdom will readily grant that its allurements can lead to a taste of suffering that is more bitter than death, says um, Leopold, who really has some great stuff on Ecclesiastes here. Uh, False wisdom rears her head continually and keeps on offering her enticements. But on the other hand, the offers keep proving themselves unsatisfactory. So the snares that hold you down The bad ideas. Um, And that's another way where we can feel compassion for people trapped in the the transgender movement and all of these things going on. They're trapped in lies. They choose sin. Sin victimizes them. Um, Worldly wisdom, having beguiled a man, clings to him in a singularly tenacious way and binds him. Uh, I was reading something. I was talking to my wife on the way in um, of someone who had survived the uh, Hamas attack in Israel. And they had they sort of had a red pill moment on the barbarity of the enemies that hated hated her, and uh, she had. A, and the point of it, I was thinking of it that singularly tenacious way that false ideology was clinging to her. That it was all all right. That that the world was was full of decent people, and the problem was not sin but colonization, and things of that nature. That is a worldly wisdom. So to wrap this up, he says at the end of the at the end of the book. Um, as we go to the end of the book, at the end of chapter 7, see, this alone I found that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Go back to Ashley's case. Adam and Eve were made upright, but schemes, humanistic schemes. I'm going to try to make straight what God made crooked. I don't like the fact that there's death, so I'm going to have a lot of plastic surgery, or I'm going to have a lot of a, a lot of distractions. How often do we get distracted if we're upset um, I saw a great meme the other day. Um, a certain lady over there sent it, sent it to me. Of, of uh, let me say, I can't sleep, so you open the Bible app, and the first thing you said you can't sleep says, uh, the, "The wicked have no rest." Closes the Bible quick. You know? <laughs> um, so, you know, you have a tendency to think to yourself, "Hey, uh, you know, I can't, I can't sleep, or I'm upset, I'm tense." So maybe maybe something gets thrown at you in your mind of something you're embarrassed by, and you look for distractions. This is a world of distractions, and so. The schemes of the enemy are always to keep us from what? The word. From prayer, from worship, from fellowship. Those are the schemes. We look for happiness from those things, those enticements. The way the woman folly is calling out. Hey, come here. Hey, you need to chill out more. Right? You need to chill out more. You need to, you need to, have, you need to take it easy. Um, maybe you do. That's going to take wisdom. But well, I know what you do absolutely need, the context will be the word of the Lord and the fear of the Lord. If we don't have that, then we're not, gonna, we're not, gonna be able to, we're not ever going to be able to ever have peace. Falling prey to false wisdom is explained as being due to the providence of God. On the other hand, he that pleases God escapes the wiles of the temptress. Um, echoes of Romans 1, and I'll finish with Romans 1. We exchange the truth for a lie. Because we suppress the truth and sin, and we exchange the truth for a lie. If you watch what Romans 1, 18 through 23 is doing and put it right back over Ecclesiastes 7, you can get the idea of because sin is unthankful and we refuse to acknowledge God, worship Him, and give thanks to Him, what happens is the focus shifts. We're going to start worshiping something because we're made to worship, right? We're made to worship. So if we don't worship, we're going to look to worship something or somebody. You get your celebrity pastors, you get your you know, political movements, you get your sports teams, and uh, and so forth. So that's the idea behind all of that. And um, <clears throat> so we finish when, when, when this last thing with that with Romans from Romans one and Ecclesiastes seven is notice how he puts all of this effort into wisdom. Now he's not just carelessly going to scroll social media for an hour and I wonder why I'm always tired. Because it's never fulfilling. It's like junk food. That's what he's saying. He puts lots of effort into wisdom. and it's knowing what God is doing. And we're trying to train up to look at everything happening and what is the Lord doing? And, then, and don't be surprised when you can't figure it all out. That's not the point. You know the God who has it all figured out. And that leads us to worship. It leads us to awe. But we oftentimes feel uncomfortable doing that because we think we should have all the answers for it. That's why I brought up uh, Dr. Fossey of you start from that premise, you're gonna look foolish. And that is a foreshadowing of the judgment to come. When you're hit with a contradiction that badly, and you have no answer for it, but there's a day coming where that coming for all people who hate wisdom, they love death. That's the context of the whole book. Oh, do hope this was helpful, and I'll turn it back over to Bobby. Thank you.